Okay. He yep. didn't move around a whole lot. Oh, every two years. Every two years. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. Well, what did you get from that? It kind of made me an introvert because yeah. I kept, I didn't like forming relationships just to lose them. Mm. So I started kind of keeping to myself a lot. I could see that. I could see that. Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson, entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. Yo guys, what is up? This is your boy, John. I've got a very, very uh, special guest. I want him to introduce himself to you and give me your title. I have no idea what you do. So tell them who you are and what you do. Um, my name is Milas King. Uh, how you guys doing? How you doing, John? I'm a local restaurateur, and I'm also a full-time stock trader. Full-time stock trader. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh, we're definitely going to get into that. I mean, you know, I mean, I think I met you like, it's been a minute now because everything's all blurry because yeah. of two years with uh, COVID. But it's, it's been about a good five years now. Yeah, 2016. Really? Yep. That is so cool. And you were like doing, you were dabbling a little bit in the e-com space, right? Yes, I was traveling to China. I actually did classes for two years. Um, and, you know, I transitioned right before COVID. I mean, I probably missed it by four or five months. I would have been caught up in that disaster of the shipping and everything. Right, right. Because you, you were very heavy uh, for importing? Yes. Yep. I was mm. importing my own products to sell on Amazon. So how did that, I mean, how did that begin? How did you start into that? What was the interest level there? Originally, I went to China to get supplies for the restaurant. Okay. So I was going to get my own piece. I told my partner, I said, I'm going to China to get some of this stuff. Because we was using so much of it. I right. said, that's where they get it. So when I got over there and I started meeting at the uh, Canton Fair, uh -huh. I started running into all these, quote, Amazon people. And I was yeah. like, what is this about? You know, I'm yeah. looking for pizza boxes and I'm seeing all these Amazon people and yeah. events. So I went to one and they were talking about how they found products. And I was like, <laughs> were they lost? I mean, I'm like, what do you mean you found products? You know, That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> You just found where they were being made. Yeah, right. <laughs> sort of like so, they found America. Right, right, right. <laughs> you found them, okay. <laughs> That's funny. So long story short, I said, hey, if I'm going to be doing pizza boxes, I'll try the products too. So I started bringing in like race car tracks, um, remote control cars, just because I kind of like those kind of toys. Um, and kind of went from there. Nice. That's pretty interesting. You know, and um, so you did the uh, e-com circuit for how many years then? About three. For about three years. Yeah. And you went and to a lot of events, right? Yes. And everything started changing. Yeah. Like what? Tell me. Well, I was getting into licensing. So I was going to the expo in Vegas, the licensing expo. So I was going to start 
licensing products to put on, like, for example, I would sell posters with the remote control cars of BMW, mm -hmm. of all the exotic cars. So I started getting all the licensing and Amazon started giving me problems saying I may be infringing, even though I had all the paperwork. Oh, okay. So you had, you were getting products that were already licensed and you were getting the okay to yes. sell it. Okay. Yes. On the platform. And then right. you're running into, so it's probably somebody else that's actually selling the same product. That's not but, that license owner. But they wouldn't you. even let me, they wouldn't even verify. They just said, you may be infringing. Yeah. And I, and I was like, well, here's the paperwork. Right. And then in customs I actually got searched in customs and they asked for that same paperwork and I gave it to them. They said it was fine. So then they, they sent it on through and then Amazon without even checking would say maybe infringing. Mm. Now, what am I supposed to do with maybe? Mm. So I had, one crazy. My, I had one of my biggest fourth quarter shipments come in. I had 600 cars. Wow. Right. And they would give me problems about shipping it in. And that started the beginning of the end. Because I mm. wanted to get into licensing. I'm like, if they're going to give me this amount of problems, this is all I'm be dealing with. And I don't need that drama. Right. Right. So so this is this is the point I want to kind of ask you about, though. Because, you know, I've been doing this for many years. And um, I've always felt kind of the... Uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. So I'll just say it. I felt like I was the only black guy in the room most of the times. Right. Okay. And did you get that kind of a vibe as well? Well, let's put it this way. Um, I was the only teacher in China that was. <laughs> so uh, the whole class, yeah, no, it was no color. No color. And But I mean, even in America, when you go to these events, it'd be one or two. Yeah. Know. And yeah. it's just it's it's kind of like still one of the best kept secrets in our industry. But anyway, uh, um, so prior to that, you're you're a restaurateur, and how long have you owned these restaurants? Sixteen years. Wow. And got um, four locations around Atlanta, and that hits the trip to China to try to save some money. So I mean, it's a pizza. A pizza is it a franchise or is original it concept? Really. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you get into that part? Or you just well, always made pizzas in your kitchen? It, it, I was the manager of Papa John for a couple of years. So okay. was my partner. And it was one of those things that like, I think we could do this ourselves, right? And so when we started it and me having a marketing background, I, I learned that even though you can, you can look at the biggest and see what they do and act like you're competing against them to try to be successful because they're big for a reason. So we looked at the big three, Papa John's, Domino's, and Pizza Hut. And I said, okay, how are we going to compete with them? So Pizza Hut was price. So then we said, let's do all sizes so you can't compare. Our 20 is our large. Theirs was 16. Mm -hmm. Ours was all the way down to 12. They had 10 inches. So we could set our own pricing. Mm. Uh, Domino's was speed. So, uh, yep. Get the door. Right? So we, we instituted a par-bake system. So we could get to the door in 15 minutes or less because our par bakes were already seven minutes done. So they can come out of the oven in six, mm. right? So then Papa John's was the easiest quality ingredients. Well, they just have abandoned that principle. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was easy. I was like, really? <laughs> so all through the night, we have a third shift where we actually cook the chicken. We prep the ground beef, real bacon. Um, so there's nothing prepackaged that we do. 
Wow. And what's the name of your franchise? I mean, your franchise, da your stores. Da Vinci's. Da Vinci's Pizza. Yep. Here a in work Atlanta. is a pizza art. Wow. A work <laughs> is a pizza art. <laughs> How about that? That's pretty awesome. All right. So give me a little bit about your, you know, I mean, where where were you like, you know, born and raised kind of? Um, my dad was in the military. So I was a Utah brat out of Utah. Okay. He yep. didn't move around a whole lot. Oh, every two years. Every two years. Oh, yes. Yep. Well, what did you get from that? It kind of made me an introvert because yeah. I kept, I didn't like forming relationships just to lose them. Mm. So I started kind of keeping to myself a lot. I could see that. I could see that. You know, it's just, it's, and, and that it's every time you change schools had to be challenging. I just yes. can't even yes. imagine. It's always, you said in always, Utah? Right. Yes. Oh, Utah. okay. And it, and it felt like it, by changing so much, it felt like always everybody knew each other except for me. Yeah. I go to new school. They all have their friends and all that. And I'm always the new guy. So I'd be kind of kept to myself, but it made me a creative person. Yeah. All right. What's the first job out of like, you know, college? First real job. First real job. Papa John's manager. Oh, okay. So you went straight in. Yep. As a manager, did you go to college? Uh, two years. I was in computer science. And then I realized uh -huh. I wanted to do video games. Then I realized couldn't do the math when the math book had it's no deep. numbers yeah it's deep <laughs> it's like wait this math book has no numbers no it's deep math isn't it <laughs> yeah you program and stuff okay so you're like okay this ain't for me i go in how you get a manager position now well i was driving as i was okay. in college oh right? okay gotcha and, yeah 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 and papa john's had just started because we're talking 91 they only had like 60 stores in atlanta so they were real aggressive, come join and grow with us. And so I joined the management program once I left school because on the side, I was actually highlighting as a, I wanted to be a movie director. So that's why when we first met, right. I was actually doing the video production to, to interview you. Yes. So that was my original love. So I said, I'm just going to do this until I could get my career to take off in video production. Got it. Got it. It's kind of funny how you think it's going to be the side thing. And it yeah. ends up being the thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's really funny, you know, because we have a we have a, a common background. I used to deliver for Domino's. So okay. <laughs> but but this is back when they had the 30 minutes are free. Yeah. It was a nightmare. And it was on a <laughs> it was on a college campus, right? So uh -huh. I mean that was bad enough. And then they would have something called Wild Wednesdays, where they would do like five dollar pizzas on Wednesday. It was just a nightmare. <laughs> you know, trying to get them in and out 30 minutes because, you know, then the college, they don't tip well, you know, it was just, yep. it was, oh my God, oh my God. But some of the funnest times I had was delivering pizzas. That's kind of, you know, but no, I never wanted to be a manager because those yep. guys, I used to watch the manager and, you know, they'd have to get there early, you know, they'd be stuck inside all the time. Then they'd have to close the store and do the do the paperwork. I was like, no, I can't. I but can't. see, there's a funny story because I actually had to circle back to it. So when I was at Papa John's, I started my own video production studio, right? And this was before phones could even take a picture. So what <laughs> happened, I did it for about 10 years, and it really evolved to where everything just started drying up. It became a commodity. 
Yeah. Once the phones could do video, it really started drying up. And then every college had a film program because of the DSLR. Uh So then you had a glut, just a glut of creators and their DSLRs. It just, it created the market. So then I said, let me go back to pizza. And since I had a taste for running my own business, I wanted to open my own. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, I mean, what's, what is the process to, to open and start your own pizza shop? I mean. Let me tell you how I started it, how we started. Yeah. I went and rented two credit cards from my dad. I told rented. my dad, I'm going to pay you. A, yes. I said, I'm going to pay you $150 a month. Talk about expense. Talk about hard money. I said, I'm going to pay you $150 a month until I give these cards back to you. Right? So then we went and bought some used equipment. And thinking we were brilliant, we was like, we're not paying $2,000 for a refrigerator. We're going to go to Best Buy and get the $500 ones. So we had these refrigerators in the, in the restaurants and then try to be cheap with it. And soon we soon discovered why they're commercial refrigerators. The constant open and closing, they don't uh-huh. keep temperature. Uh-huh. So when you open a refrigerator 100 times a day, it's room temperature in there. <laughs> so we found that out. <laughs> So he oh said, well, we, I guess we should go with commercial equipment. How many fridges did y'all have? Like three. <laughs> but then lined up in the back. And we was like, man, these things are getting warm. They're not, they're not keeping cold. So, yeah. Because you're opening them up all the time. Right. They're not made for that. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Next lesson. Teach me more, man. Teach me more. <laughs> What next? No, but I mean, what else does it take? Okay, so you had these oh, credit cards. Okay. I mean, so I mean, the credit card. Were you able to get? How did you get the location? And then okay. the, you know, the ovens. The location was fairly easy. We just kept looking around in our in the trade area you wanted to deliver till we found the space. Okay. The next thing was how I built sales. I created a because I had a marketing background, uh, especially from doing video. I created this uh, marketing almanac. I called it. So I stayed up for like two or three days and wrote down every marketing initiative I could think of, right? And so then I would say, okay, I'm going to go through this almanac and I'm going to pick one or two every week to do. So for example, how I built the catering. I ordered from InfoUSA back in the day. Mm-hmm. InfoUSA. The, the, the list. Yeah, yeah. I said, give me a list of all businesses with employees over 50, over 50 employees in a five-mile radius. And I wanted to sell catering, but who's a natural salesman like that in the store? Probably not. So I said, okay, here's what we do. I took a cashier. I said, I want you to ask two questions to every business on this list. Call them and say, who handles your catering? If they say nobody, thank you and hang up. If they say so-and-so, we know they use catering. Ask to speak to them and ask them, can we feed them for free? And that those two questions built our catering business because we fed like 50 businesses a week until now we have a solid cave. That's one of the initiatives I did. So you go in and you feed them for free. And then the next thing you led with value and ultimately, wow. They start ordering catering from us. That's brilliant. That's that nuggets right yeah, there. Yeah, just two so, questions. That way the person doesn't have to be a salesperson. Right. So you're not trying to build into a business catering that doesn't cater. You're like, hey, if you don't cater, hey, thanks. You're not my yep. customer. Yep. You found an existing customer base. Lead with value there. 
and then that's how you built an entire catering business around to build up to build our lunch sales i went back yeah. to my almanac i said we're going to feed every employee meeting on Cobb parkway for example mm-hmm. all the best buys all the i said so we called up every manager and said we just want to feed your your employee meeting so we fed all employee meetings oh we left menus in the break room ah right so then <laughs> so then after we started doing that then i went back and said hey listen we want to feed all your customers for coming here. So what we did, we called it taking over Smyrna. So they let us put a banner in their lobby and everybody who brought their receipt, we gave us free small pizza. We did this at emissions, at, at uh, uh, barbershops, at everywhere you could think of for a day. We called it taking over Smyrna. So you had all these businesses with all our banners in their lobby. And we actually heard from our pop-up pizza up manager saying, what are you guys doing? You know, we had lines out the door, but it was in and out. So we got in the employees. Then we got into the store to feed their customers. And that's, we built our lunch business. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, and I guess that was enough to build your direct-to-consumer business? Or did yeah, you oh, absolutely. Strategy? Absolutely, because we'd serve like 500 pizzas that day. Huh. And one day. Yep, because they come in with their receipt, oil change, um, emissions, every business on there we had. Okay. That is pretty amazing. And so you put these banners up in the business that said we're taking over Smyrna. Wow. Yep. Free pizza with your purchase today. And they let you put the biz- the banner up because it drove it- traffic. Right, and it added value to their customers. It added value to their, wow. Brilliant. And so you had all of these that you just thought up in a three-day period or so, put them in this almanac, started going through. Yep. Wow. Fantastic. Another one I I did, I would do apartments. So what we would do, we'd pick one night. There's a bunch of apartments, right? So I had one every night for the month. At 5 o'clock, people are getting home. We stand outside the apartments as they came in and gave them a free pizza. And it was just for that night. It was like, we're feeding you dinner tonight. See, I tried to do initiatives where you don't have coupons out there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, coupons are supposed to do either drive frequency or trial. Anything else is a waste. Say right? that again. Coupons should drive frequency or trial. Anything okay. else is a waste. Okay. Right? So when they would come home from work, we'd say, you got free dinner tonight. And we'd serve that. And sister, all in the same complex, you know, as a driver, highly efficient. We'd have four pie, six pie, right, right, eight right. pie. And they're literally going, right? And we'd only do one complex a night. So that would make it easy for the drivers. Yep. And it built our apartment business. Yeah. Wow. Dang. We could go on and on and on. Yeah. This yeah. I had a bunch of, yeah. And that's how this, is, this is some good marketing tips right here, bro. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right. All right. So let's get into the other one because I find that. Oh, so how long did it take you to give dad the cards back? Uh, about nine months. About nine months. Yep. Yeah. How did you get the oven? Because the uh, oven we, has to be the most expensive part. Yeah. they We leased an old oven. So okay. back then the oven was you probably 5000 Okay. You yeah. could lease an oven. Okay. Got it. Yep. Got it. All right. Cool. All right. So now, you know. Dad's got the cards back. Your business is growing. You know, you're taking over Smyrna. What yeah. was the, so was, how long before you opened the second location? 
it was about four years. And then it just started having back to back to back to back. Because what I found interesting as a business owner, I finally realized, I realized that, you know, they try to teach you get a business plan, go to banks or do this or do that. I found out each location we got, basically someone came and gave it to us. Hmm. And for example, our Midtown location, we had Smyrna. The owner of the apartment building in Midtown on 16th Street was a customer, right? He said, I want you guys to be in, the, in, in my apartment building, open up a restaurant. We was like, well, we don't have the capital, right? He said, how much is it going to take? And we're like, you know, we, you know how you just think he's the half serious, 140000 mm-hmm. He said, well, come take a look. So we go down there and look at it. We think it'd be a great location, West Peach Street. You know, this was 10 years ago. And we said, it'll take 140000 he literally wrote the check and said, here you go. He, he barely checked our driver's license. What, was I he financing you or just funding? Yeah, it? he was the owner of the building. So he, it's like a tenant improvement allowance. Wow. He just wrote 140, gave it to us. He didn't check our credit. He didn't check. I was like, okay. So then Decatur <laughs> called. The guy knew the owner of the shopping center in Decatur. He said, you got to talk to these guys. So Decatur called. They said, how much you need? We are like, a hundred? <laughs> they said, here you go. Wrote it. And we Why? All, I, I, yes. No, I mean, I get Okay, I mean, I, I mean, but what is the value of having the pizza shop in their building? They, they like the product. They was looking for the stability because we had been in business five or six years. Uh-huh. And we got an endorsement by another property owner. Yeah, absolutely. And it just kind of went from there. That's crazy, man. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. But it's about you doing good business and leading with the value in the beginning. That probably put, you know, all of that into that man's heart about, man, I want to work with these guys. So we grew to all four locations with no loans. That's insane. That's what I saw, too. And I was like, well, look at this. It's, it, it kind of, I guess it goes back to networking that it's out there. If you just, if you create an attractive opportunity, they, it comes to you. Hmm. I never would have thought that. Man. So dur- during COVID, there was a guy, our Kennesaw location. He just wanted out. He paid the renter for a year and threw us the keys. Yeah. That's how we got Kennesaw. He literally said, take it. What month was that? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to he said, I have to go and see exactly. It was towards the beginning. Yeah. Because then we got another one towards the end of the pandemic. Same thing. They just threw us the keys. Damn. I know. That's 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 amazing. And see, you can't replicate that. You can't go and say, here's what you do. Right, right. You, you can't teach saying? a course. Come on, man. Teach me a class. Yeah. I need a class on that. <laughs> You don't have a course? Come on, damn. <laughs> Incredible. Now, you ever heard of the Fuqua group? Yeah, they did the Brave no. Stadium. They did okay, the Brave okay, Stadium okay. and a couple of They actually approached us. And they said, we want you guys to do six locations and all of our developments. They even had us in their brochure. That's when we hit the wall. We said, we don't have the operating capital. They were going to give us six months free rent, six-figure checks to do the build-out. 
but six restaurants and operating capital, we needed at least three or four million just to get through the first year. So we actually had to turn that down, or we'd have been in the Brave Stadium right now. Wow. But hey, man, that's a smart move on your part, though. Yeah. Honestly, was... you gotta know, you gotta know, let me just say when to hold them, when to fold them. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I need to walk away from this deal because that maybe it could have tipped you one way, but it also could have tipped you the other way. Oh, yeah. Could have sunk the whole ship. Yeah. Yeah. Six locations and no infrastructure at the time. We were like, how would we even do that? I mean, it was like trying to eat the elephant at once. Mm. It was exciting. And we sure hated to. We just we said we can't do it. Wow. That's that's a crazy story. So tell me, because one of the things that uh, I put this uh, a post out and I was, we were talking about something. I don't remember. But we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, how people used their. Uh, monies during you know the pandemic and you posted that you kept all of your employees all the way through the pandemic what yes. was what was the secret there i get it you know you guys were already doing door-to-door delivery so i'm sure that was but did you did you get a big spike at, at one point actually that is what saved us that we were sort of built on the papa john's model uh-huh. Mainly, deli- we were probably seventy percent delivery, thirty percent dine-in. Mm. So when dine-in shut down, even though our sales dropped, we were able to still, you know, limp along and not be shut down completely, like an Olive Garden. Mm. And that's really what made the difference and saved us. And then when those funds came in, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, okay, we can, yeah. you know, it made the difference, made us whole to get through it co- completely. So do you think you came out of it even better than you went in? That's to be determined. And I say that because we took some EIDL loans. Okay. And so you've got all these businesses that are now taking on debt, even though it's low interest. Once you got past the PPP, the EIDL is still added debt now. Right. And you only had two years to float on that. Yes. But debt is still debt. And when you're your margins, when you got all this inflation, uh-huh. you know, before COVID, our average hourly wage was probably $11. Ooh. Now it's almost 16, 17. Mm. You got food up 70%. Wow. Now you've got an added debt load from EIDL. And gas. Yes. For delivery. So our sales are about where they were, but man, the margins have just evaporated. Oh my gosh. What do you do? Oh, well, taking it a month at a time and just have you raised prices already? We have a couple of times. And what we noticed, we're at the point now, I'll give you an example. We're doing about the same sales, Mm -hmm. but we're doing 1500 less orders a month. So that's a leading indicator that the frequency is dropping. Right, 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 right. So we're running out of room to raise prices. We're actually, we're out of room. Yeah. Wow. This is crazy just to hear all of, because I mean, it's always something, isn't it? Yes. I mean, can you just, do you remember when it was running smooth? Yes. Yeah. No. Man. And, like, and what people don't understand is it's not just $16 an hour. We got to right. pay 10% payroll tax. Right. So for every hour, we're paying a dollar sixty more. So and I always say, I tell the employees, you know, they always kind of get upset about, 
this company owes us this or we should get paid this, whatever. And I was like, you know, you should redirect, not at the person who's giving you money, but at the person who's taking money from you. The government. Yes. The government. If Because if with all these added less, increases. Yeah, they're these, getting more money. So I'm saying, look, I said, challenge the person that's taking from you, not yeah. who's giving to you. Yeah. Right? You're right. Because, I mean, these these governments, you know, these government entities are, are taking in more. Yes. As the wages go up. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> you know, because we don't really think about that and we don't really turn our attention to what well, well, we talk about taxes, but we only talk about the taxes we pay. But we right. don't understand the taxes that employers pay to employ us based on the number of employees that are on the payroll. So if you think about it, a manager's salary. Let's say a manager's making twelve hundred dollars every two weeks, mm -hmm. right? They're gonna probably bring home nine seventy five, and we probably paid another two hundred in payroll. There's a four hundred dollar spread the government's taking. You know what that could do for the employee? Yeah, life changing. Yes, life changing. Yeah, that's crazy. So where do you fall in on taxes? I don't know. I mean, like, do you have like this tax idea? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was into the flat tax for a minute and I haven't really read another book on taxes since then. But have you ever thought about how to fix the tax in our country in general? I get the flat tax. But the thing I do know if you want people to make more money, take less from them. You know, cut the payroll tax to five. You know, mm. do something about their person. You could give money directly to them by just cutting that payroll tax. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, employees don't recognize it's choking us off by coming to us saying, just pay me more. Well, they're just going to take more from you. Yeah, well, yeah, but still, <laughs> I'm going to get more. But think about it, it's dollar for dollar when they dollar cut it. Dollar for dollar. Right? When I give you a raise, it's not dollar for dollar because your taxes go up a little bit. That's true. And depending on where you are, if you hit a new bracket, it, yes. can, be, it can be pretty bad. Exactly. You know, or it can definitely crater a little bit. You'd be like, dang, what's going on? You know? And so what ends up happening? What is the result of all that? Well, you're probably noticing yourself, what they have done is pulled forward automation. Like now we're getting calls from, you know, Mr. Flippy. You heard of that? The guy that has a machine that'll flip. Right. Pieces. Right. Have okay. you been in the, some of the newer Wendy's is just tablets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See what the government don't realize. We have 30 cents of every dollar for labor. That's it. We can give 10 cents to 10 to, to three people or three cents to 10 people. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you raise what we have to pay, we've got to cut. In another way, either hours or number of people. It's not, it's not, it is inflexible how much we have for labor. So what in. have you noticed, John? You probably noticed poor service when you go to restaurants and other oh, places. Yes, absolutely. Because they had to cut. They only have so many labor dollars. Mm. And it's going to get worse because, hey, we got three out of $10 to pay someone. So service gets worse and worse. Wow.
because you got so so automation is the answer. It's coming. Oh yeah, but you'll you're walking to Wendy's and it'll be all tablets. I've been in a McDonald's with. I've been in some gas stations that are online. There's no attendance. Have you seen those? Not yet, but it's that's funny. You know what? Actually, it's really weird that you mentioned that. I remember when I was uh, even you know a kid, you know high, uh, college age. They used to have, uh, you know, because Texas, I don't know what it was about Texas, but where I was living in Texas, they were the first ones to have these multi, you know, uh, uh, tank stations with with nothing but a little little box in the center. Like if you mm-hmm. go to like the Kroger's where it's, you know, just the, the little guy sitting in a box. Right. Texas was doing that back in the 80s, maybe even the early, late 70s. They've always had that. And I do remember there was a gas station right on, on because uh, my dad lived very rural, but that one gas station had multi-pumps, but you could go there 24 hours a day because they would be unmanned once we had the, you know, the, the credit card scan, you know? So, yeah, what do I, I don't, uh, and and I'm thinking when I went to a couple of McDonald's overseas, when you would get there, it, there nobody would talk to you, it, it, and everybody knew how to work it. For me, it was like, "What the hell is this?" And I remember <laughs> the first time I seen one, maybe in a McDonald's here in the U.S. is like three, four years ago. But I mean, everybody knew how to work it. And I'm sitting there going, "Like, well, shit, what am I? How do I?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're it's, a little behind on that. And it's coming. Yeah, yeah, and I ain't mad about it. Uh, I, I mean. Which brings me to my next phase. Uh-oh. You know, because you almost, it's almost like how they say disrupt yourself. Yes. We're at a point where we need to totally refresh and recapitalize yes. the way we're serving food. And we're not, at, we're not at a place that we can do that, right? We're not Papa John's where we can just, or who has, who's got the, the dominoes, how they've gotten the, the button and all the updates. They've got the money to totally remake themselves through technology. Right, right, right. Well, we don't. So hence the full-time stock trading. So I'm beginning, we're beginning to prepare for our next transition out mm-hmm. of restaurants because you look, hear me what I say in three to four years, all your red lobsters, your olive gardens, they'll be gone. You think? Yeah. And what you'll have, they always say either get on top of the mountain or get in the valley. So what does that mean? You either be going to eat at Fogo de Chow or McDonald's. Mm. There'll be, there'll be no Applebee's. Hmm. Well, you know, I can they'll see be, that. You know what they'll be? All food courts, like at the mall. They're already doing it. A food court? A standalone you know in, food court? You know when you walk in one building and there's like yeah. 20 food vendors? Yeah. That's what you're going to see. Oh. All the standalones will be gone. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy, but I could see, but here's the thing. If you think about it, you know, at least in our generation, our generation started that middle-class restaurant service thing. So you're kind of saying that's kind of going the way of the mall. Yes. (laughs) Yep. I mean, there's several now. There's one in Marietta, you park, and there's like 20 vendors. It's like a food. Now, with that kind of efficiency... There's no way standalones can keep competing with that with all that capital cost. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like those 
food truck villages. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we call them, and, and like in, in Asia, they're the hawk, hawker stands, right? Gotcha. You know, and it's like a bunch of them all around, picnic tables in the center. You go and get, damn, yeah, I could see that. Now I now I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been to them, you yep. know? And that's how they feed masses of people in these Asian countries, you know? That's how they feed them in terms of going out. Going out is not restaurant service. It's exactly. go up, serve yourself, sit in the center. Huh. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> this, this, this makes this conversation even more valuable to see where you're going. And so with that, you're transitioning into the financial markets. Well, yes. well, what's, I mean, how do you make money in this kind of market? Well, I use a house analogy. So I'll tell you a story. You So substitute the word stock for house, right? So typically when people invest, whether you're 401k or what have you, you go and they say, okay, we're going to buy houses for you. As the houses rise and fall in value, we will sell and buy to over a long term make you money. Right? Right. So that's why I use the word houses instead. But here's what they do. And here's what I learned to do. Imagine you would, they were doing that for you for houses, but they were renting them and keeping the rent money. So they're buying houses for you. You get your money when they sell it or when they, they goes up in value, they sell the house. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they're putting renters in it, keeping the rent money. Yes. So that's what I learned to do through stocks. Put the renters in and keep the rent money? Yes. Buy it. Yeah. How does that work? The, what the what, hell that's are you when, talking? That's when, that's oh, when my God. Have... I need this course. Is there a course for this one there? <laughs> that's where the, the, the world of options and derivatives comes in. Oh. Okay. So they use all of our stocks, whether it's 401k, whatever it is, mutual, they use all of them as the house um, inventory. Right. Then they go and make money with it, and but they don't share it with you. They no. give you your 7 or 8% cut and keep the rest. <laughs> so you're playing that game on that level. Yes, I learned wow. it. Wow. Yep. How about and that? It is not readily out there, and yes. they teach fear to keep you from looking for it. Okay. Of course. It's it's risky. Hey, oh, man, I knew somebody who was all this risk. So here's how I explain risk, right? Risk is is commiserate with skill. So what does that mean? I use a car as an example. Mm -hmm. John, do you fear driving a a golf cart? No. No no risk to you there, right? Because you know Mm -hmm. it's a golf cart. Yeah. You can drive a car, right? Of course. Faster, bigger, more dangerous. But you're fine, right? Pretty much. Yeah. The risk for you is not there. You going to drive a Formula One race car? Nah, probably not. Exactly. That's what risk is. It is commiserate with your skill level. If you know your skill level, you'll know your risk level and you know what you can do. Now, NASCAR driver has no fear. He does it every day. Yeah. But if you're a rookie and you get into a Formula One, that's when you hear, man, I lost money. Man, I did this because you didn't understand the risk. You didn't have the skill level to manage that risk. Okay, so skill mitigates risk. Yes. Got it. Got it. Now that is a great lesson learned. (laughs) My man, this was honestly, 
this talk was better than I could have ever imagined, but I knew it was there, you know, just from going back and forth with you. I, you were like, hey, bro, I don't do any more of the e-com. I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the wisdom. And I appreciate you. So here's my last question for you. All okay. right. What question did I not ask you that I should have? That's pretty good. You, because you, it was pretty encompassing. Okay, that's cool. I've had yeah. that. I've had that answer before, so that's good. That means we pretty much, you know, covered a lot. We covered a lot here, man. Yeah, I really, <laughs> really appreciate your transparency and your 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 you know uh, ability to kind of break it down, so I could completely understand where it was coming from and the importance of all the things you said thank you so much okay all right and we'll no talk problem. soon you know okay. hang on a second i'm gonna say goodbye to these guys it's your boy john so we're out of here for now definitely tune in to whatever the hell i end up calling this podcast but uh you see it's got a lot of value all right guys i'm out of here for now peace Thanks for tuning in to the Smartest Podcast. I hope you found that conversation helpful and inspiring. So be sure to subscribe and do not miss any future episodes. Until next time, enjoy your journey of success. Thanks for listening.